点五。I'm your host, Bob Fang, and today we got Grace. Hello. Hey. Hey, Bob. Hey. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Grace. Give us a little background. Yeah, just to start off with, I'm Grace, yes, as you all know. And I'm from KL, from Malaysia, yes. And I'm currently working as a recruiter. So that's my day job. On the side, I'm actually teaching children for Sunday school. And yes, I'm single. <laughs> and sometimes not available because it's so busy and everything. Yeah. And yes, I'm in, currently at a home, <laughs> keeping everyone safe. I love it. I love it. Did you know that like 80%, I read like a statistic of like 80% of people go to church to find like their future spouse. Is that true? That's what I heard too. But you know what? The funny thing is the intentions are not supposed to be that. So the only love we're supposed to give is God actually. <laughs> but it is true. It is true. Especially for the young ones. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Got it. I love it. All right. Let's go into the, uh, let's go into the first question of the day, uh, which is, uh, what are the top three defining moments in your life and how do they impact you? Wow, three defining moments in different aspects or any aspects, right? Yeah, any aspects that you want to share, you know, just kind of build like a baseline of, uh, of you know, who you are. Okay, so probably the first one would be having to go through an operation at a very young age. So I have this little growth on my finger, which is something to do with the artery vein malform malformation, actually. So, excuse me. So that actually made... A lot of troubles in writing for me so i went into an operation like it's not a surgery but a nine at a nine-year-old kid going through all these iv drips and everything was quite quite a defining moment i had to celebrate my birthday in the hospital actually so that's also another thing that i realized that my parents were always there for me so i i thank god that actually i have this little bit of memory in me that my mom was always next to me sleeping and she was actually taking care of me at that time and I didn't know how big of a serious thing that it could have been because it was right at the digits where if anything were to happen, I would not be able to write. So I, I really thank God everything came out smoothly. Yeah. So yeah. So that's the first defined moment. And then the second part would be probably going into a relationship with a guy for about nine years. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's really long. So that kind of reveals how old I am right now. <laughs> and it was obviously a relationship with the intention of getting married and starting a family, but it didn't really work out because unfortunately, things happen along the way and that kind of revolves around money, actually. <laughs> and he started borrowing money. And the thing my mom kind of told me was not to lend money to people. And I just kind of not took that advice in. So that, that kind of like mounted up to a five figure is a very huge number actually. And, and I remember just like working really hard just to sort of like sponsor him in some sense, you know, and 
for nine years, you know, and then and then when I went out of it, I just felt so cheated in some ways. So when people say cheated physically and mentally and whatever not, this is like a cheat in a whole different level altogether. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, is there a broad day like robbery without even me knowing it, you know? So nine years of that was like a defining moment, you know. I felt like you know, some people would say, like, did you waste your time with this guy? Uh, it was a very hard learning session or learning time with me, for me, for me, actually. And I couldn't get back my money in the end. Yeah, so I don't know what really happened in the end with that guy. But with myself, I realized that not exactly to hold on to money so tightly, but to know how to value it, actually. Because at the moment when I needed to actually lend him those money, I just realized that that everything that I do and every work that I I actually deliver, it equates to a certain amount of money, you know. And and that that's what I felt like right now when I'm wherever I'm working, I'm actually counting like okay, within that one hour, what exactly is the value of that one hour that I'm giving to somebody? So that that really kind of defined it in a different sense. So that 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 added weight, you know. So every time someone says like, oh, you know, like I'm just taking one hour of your time, but um, yeah, one hour. What what does it equate to, you know? So that that's one thing. As for the third defining moment, let's see. I think about me, something to do with the career that I've been. So, you know, earlier on, I introduced myself as a recruiter, right? So this is quite interesting. I actually went into fashion designing first and then as a merchandiser. So I dealt a lot with suppliers and dealing with clothes and fashion and everything for the first like five to six years. Then I went into an e-commerce line, still clothing line, still retail, which is still interesting. And then I started feeling like, you know, is there a certain purpose to this? Like, am I designing clothes just for people who don't want to wear it or don't want to spend money on? Because the clothes are really expensive. Actually, it's a local brand, but it's like something that people don't want to like splurge the money on, you know? They'll think twice about doing it. And then I went into uh, a loyalty program, a loyalty program company, which I found myself getting a bit lost in it because it was still dealing with merchandise. And then I felt like, okay, you know what? Maybe I should try going to HR, which is something so different, so, so different, you know? <laughs> like, And I, in some ways, God actually passed me that way and I did end up going to HR. I, I don't know how, but the person gave me an opportunity to do so. <laughs> It's quite interesting, actually. And then into HR, it was a more an engagement program that I had to engage with people, with the staff, with 500 people. It was it was quite a short stint until I got called into becoming a recruiter, actually. So I've been there for about a year. So it's quite interesting to know that, that hey, you know what? You know, the first work that I started in doesn't really define me who I am right now. So I kind of apply everything that I do in terms of the arts into dealing with people, into dealing with merchandise, into dealing with uh, points, into money, into cash, into dealing with people, you know? And essentially, being a recruiter is not really that simple because you're really placing people's life in some ways, because you're giving them a better opportunity to become someone better in a new organization and for their family, actually, in monetary. So, I hope that this place works out for me, you know, for a long time. So <laughs> three defining moments for you. <laughs> I, love that. I love that. So just to recap, we have the first one, which is your your, your operation, being a young girl in the hospital. Yeah. Um, 
and then the next one is your long-term relationship where you know you kind of got hustled out of some finances yes i know you buy him a car <laughs> i wish i the guy <laughs> i don't know what to say wait did you no no i mean i didn't i mean like it it, it's some ways so like the little bit of money just it, it just mounted up so it was like 50 ringgit like 30 ringgit you know it wasn't like a huge amount at one time so you can't really see it so the end of the relationship you realize like wait a minute hold on when you start doing the math you're like oh my god it's hitting a thousand thousands you know like so yeah <laughs> got, it, got it got it and then the last one was your career change from fashion to, to hr you know yeah. a lot of companies need hr so Maybe one day you'll be at Louis Vuitton HR. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Let's get into the first topic of the day then. Uh, let's start right with uh, with money. Yeah. Um, tell us, how has your uh, your understanding of money changed from when you were in uh, like high school to now? Okay, here's a bit of an interesting fact though. I don't have allowances. <laughs> so it's like... it. The, the time of money to me, whenever I do get it during Chinese New Year because of the rate packets and whatnot, that to me was really like, wow, you know, I get to keep the money, I get to save up, you know. So money doesn't come by very easily. I mean, like, I thank God I'm in the middle class, so it's not too bad. But in some ways, um, never really had any formal education about uh, money or savings or investments, you know. So I, I believe that my relationship with money right now would be surprisingly enough i'm quite generous actually and and if i'm not careful people would tend to make use of that so i have to be more alert i suppose like okay like like if you give me a whole wad of cash right now i would not actually spend it and look good you know so because i know that the money will not bring me to an ultimate happiness at the end of the day yeah, you know, like like a lot of people are telling me, like, Grace, you don't drive a car. You don't own a car, right, Grace? So you must have, like, a ton of money right now. And I'm like, well, that's because of the past that I had, you know? Like, and the only reason why I never got a vehicle to begin with was because I was wondering about the investment, the, the, the loans that I have to pay off, which I didn't have the money to do so. Because I was, I was actually lending it to that guy, right? the ex and i was lending it to him where do i get the money to pay all this you know like so i never had a place of my own and never rented out anything um unfortunately like staying with my family some people will be like why don't you just shift out you know like you're quite old already and whatnot and and i'm like mm, secretly deep inside between you and i bob it's probably because of money actually i always felt like i don't have enough to sustain myself so that's why i yes i do might have i might have quite a sum of money right now but it's only because i'm feeling that it might disappear anytime you know? and as i grow older maybe some touch wood some sickness will come in and my money would just be gone you know so i had to find ways on how to make myself better in a way that is at the buying insurance so at least i know that my money is going to good use so if touch wood if i ever do fall sick i know the insurance will pay for it at least you know if i'm not working or what but yeah so it's it's quite a hard thing actually to talk about money but it's something that's necessary very very necessary 
that. What, what did you spend all your money on when you were younger when you got the red pockets? <laughs> I actually just saved up. I didn't do much though, but I remember wanting things, but I never bought it. I, I clearly remember when I was actually shopping with my father, right? It was like um, somewhere between like my birthday and Christmas because I'm born in December, you see. So I remember staring at a doll, at a particular doll, the famous one that begins with a B. <laughs> so I remember staring at it. And I think that price at the time was about like 40 to 50 ringgit, I think. It was quite a sum actually for a doll. And I just felt like I wanted it, but I never mentioned it. And I, even though I had that savings, I never really bought it because I felt like maybe I don't need it in the future. It's just me a temporary thing that I, I want to play with, you know? So I just looked at it and go like, I, I had to have to force myself into the maturity of like, don't burden your father to get it for you. But eventually I think my dad caught me staring at it and he, <laughs> for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like looking, I didn't even dare to touch it actually. Because you know like how kids, they'll take it and go like, oh, dad, I want it. Can you buy it for me? But I never had that feeling. So my dad will be the one that's like, okay, you know what? We're not that poor, okay? I mean, we can't afford it. Come on. You know, you're the only girl in the family. You can get it, you know? So so I remember treasuring it till now. It's still with me, but I gave it some to my niece. I gave parts of it to my niece. And my niece actually kind of broke it. <laughs> but at least it's good value, you see? So I kept it for a quite long time and... And that money, I would say, if, it, if it's worth 50 ringgit, then it would have been negative 50 now, you know, because it's been well spent. So I make sure that that dollar's been stretched. So whatever that I spend on is like, okay, you know, what does it equate to? But I'm not, I'm not stingy. I'm just a little bit thrifty and more like uh, careful with how I spend it. Yeah. I love that. I love that. What, what, uh, what I guess, what, um, how do your, how do your friends spend money? How do you see people spending money around you? Are they similar to you or very different from how you how you operate? That's a very good question, Bob, because believe it or not, so where I'm staying is considered as a very high class, fancy area. So growing up with these children is practically not that easy though. Because they would have drivers, they would have... I remember seeing the first digital camera at the age of 10 years old, and that was back in... Yeah, I'm going to reveal my age, really, again. That was back in 1996, when the digital camera just came out, you know, and she got that for her birthday. That never existed in my life, you know, to see a camera, you know, when you picture it, you take, and you see it right on the screen, that was just... <laughs> it kind of blew my mind, you know, so... My friends around me at a primary age, between 7 to 12 years old, they were, hmm, they spent money frivolously, like as if there was no value actually, because they had allowances without being, uh, like without being asking, like they don't have to ask for it, it'll be given to them. They will get privilege in the life for, you know, let's just say if I had a book, they will have extra five more books or something, you know, like just say if I had one doll, they'll have additional five more dolls. So they were kind of spoiled for choice because they were more like um, their parents more giving, I would suppose. I would say that, you know. So when I saw that, I just felt like I didn't feel unfortunate, but I just felt very different. Mm. Very, very different in some sense. And and was I jealous? Surprisingly not, though. Because I, I felt like that kind of developed a different kind of feeling within me. Like, 
to show but you know funny thing was right about i've got to mention this despite having all that five dollars or the five extra books that they had i felt like they never really was happy and it kind of boiled down to family values in the end because i remember remember hearing my friend the one with the digital camera she was quite late at night actually and her dad wasn't home yet it was really 10 to 11 p.m and, and he wasn't home and and it only dawned to me that yes she might have all that but ultimately she didn't have the thing that she needed which was her family so that that to me was like well i'm i'm, I'm lucky and different in that sense and because i always had my family like when i mentioned my mom was there for me during my operation my dad was there for me when i was growing up actually he was a very hands-on father he brought me to playgrounds you know he used to like i don't know put me on his motorbike and start riding around our neighborhood and like going to like like I don't know, playing with snails even, collecting snails. So I had a very good family unit and that kind of, uh, like, how to say, it over, it replaced that whole money, you know, that I did not have, all the things that I would could have bought with, with money. So yeah, my, my friends' spending is very different for me. And I, even till now, even, even till now, I, I don't know why I'm still, people are still drawn to me, especially those rich ones. They're like, oh, Grace, you look rich. I'm like, I look rich. <laughs> Do oh, they, yeah. uh, do they, uh, are they happy now? You know, the like all, all the people you grew up with who got the allowances and the fancy stuff, like, do they seem happy now or you think they're they're still not? Okay, the one that I saw the digital camera, I think I kind of lost touch with her. But the last time when I really, really knew what was going on, she had a boyfriend at 13 years old. So I, I felt maybe that could have been, I'm assuming this actually, uh, she might have a bit of attachment issues a bit, bit, you know, because she started stealing things, I heard. So it's kind of weird, though. I mean, all of us were talking about it. We were like, that's odd, because you seem to have it all, but you were stealing, you know, like, what, girl? Like, like why are you doing that? You know, so that, that, was, that was a bit funny. But the ones right now, the ones with the money, it's a little bit unfortunate, though, because with her family, something had happened so she's not entirely happy and the father has actually passed on at a very young age to i think 60 years old i think so he passed on and he left quite a big sum of money and she did she did reveal to me that she didn't want that money you know then the father inherited to her she will do anything to call him back because he died very sudden actually in about 2019 like that we just came back from the holiday and the next thing is the father just had a bit of a a heart issue and he just passed on you know and she says you know grace like i can tell you right now my the money that my dad left me i could be a millionaire right now i don't need to work you know but she says but my father you know he my mom's husband they could have been traveling together right now but they're not with each other and now she she's sort of like feeling that burden to sort of take care of the family even though she's not the eldest, but she feels responsible to do so. So she felt like, you know, money does not make me happy in the end of the day. So she's just coping, you know, she's coping. So, yeah. Love that. Love that. Well, thank you for sharing that. I think that'll bring a lot of insight to the kids when they, when they hear, like, money's not everything. Um, yeah, <laughs> let's move on to the second topic, uh, which is going to be education. Uh, who were you in high school? What type of person were you? <laughs> well, I was labeled as a nerd. 
yeah. but I don't think I'm a nerd. I'm not an A grade student. I'm an average student. You know? <laughs> what did you get on your SPMs? Um, if I can remember, it kind of spelled out the word bacha as in like reading like like B A C A. So I had that kind of grade. You know? <laughs> I had a B, I had an A, I had a C. You know, so well overall, no, I think they would say it's like a grade one like that, but. If, it, if it's in terms of ABC, yes, I have a, I have a bacha in my SPM. <laughs> I was an average student, actually. Did you get a C in Chinese? Oh, no, I didn't take Chinese, actually. Yeah, I got C for, what did I get C for? I think it was for history, I think. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. What, what, uh, what, what, were some, uh, what were some challenges you went through? Um, in your in your schooling days in your younger days okay this is a bit interesting because my parents are actually education teachers they are like both teachers actually so the to, expectations sorry were they your teachers did you go to the same no school? they were not they were not <laughs> i know right <laughs> they were in a separate school but you know the pressure is on when you really have one parent who's a teacher the prejudice, even on when you got two parents, like a pair, pair of parents with teachers, you know, so, but I never felt that pressure because they never imposed it on me. Maybe because I'm the youngest or maybe because I'm a girl. I don't know what's the real reason, but I liked how they kind of built me holistically and not just revolved me around just studying and being like, so like, what if I buried in the books? So they gave me a lot of chance to go out and venture and play things outside, you know, of the house. So yeah, they 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 didn't give any tuition actually. Surprisingly, right? They didn't educate me at home. So I had all my education solely in school only. Whatever that I learned, whatever I did was only in school. I came back, I had to do self-learning. I had to do a lot of self-learning, you know. So and according to my dad, it's impossible to teach me. <laughs> It's like, you're my own daughter, you know, so I can't teach you. You have to go learn it yourself, you know. So, yeah, self-sustaining, a self-sustaining student. But when I did get my results, despite having that word there, my dad and my parents were still surprised and they were quite happy, actually. I mean, they, I, I, but for me personally, I felt I could have done better. But for a person who didn't really go for tuition, yeah, I think it's it's okay, you know. <laughs> Got it. Do you, do, yeah. you think, uh, do you think the kids that aren't doing so well in school right now and their parents are pressuring them is do you think it's like the end of the world if they don't you know get like straight A's if they're not good students like what you know now that you're working with the working professional you know what would you say to the, the kids hmm. the, what will I say to them okay I'll say that uh, you got to know your purpose and you got to know where exactly you're heading and if possible find it out as early as possible. And no matter whether you're seven or whether you're 10 or whether you're 12, all the way to your 17. And take it seriously when someone really is educating you because they're giving out your, their time to you. They're giving out their efforts or whatever they have known, you know, to, to share it with you, you know? So that's two main things actually. Now, why do I say so? It's because the earlier that you find out what you want to do in life, then you know what exactly, what you need, you know? So, for example, like if you want to become like a scientist or somebody who is like uh, doing a lot of research work, you definitely need to be well read. 
Now you can't be saying that if you don't want to read, you don't want to do your work, you don't do your homework, you're lazy, you're not curious. You know, so that's not going to bring you very far, right? So if you know that you're going to be in the person that has to do a lot of that, then you got to do the groundwork necessarily. So example, like you got to keep on practicing no matter what it is. So maybe like some art student will say like, oh, you know what, I'm going to be an artist right now. I don't need to do my math, you know. But the question is, are you practicing your art right now? You know, are you making yourself better at it? So what excuse is it if you're saying you want to do art, but you're not doing the homework in anything, whether is it in designing or whether is it like um, in maths, you know? You're just being lazy and just making that as an excuse, right? Because you assume that art students don't read. But you can't be that way, you know? So yeah, so if you're actually practicing one thing and you're being good at it, but if you fail in the other subjects or you're not so good at that, it's fine, you know? But you could tell people at the haters, so to speak, that look, yes, I might not be good in maths, but at least I'm excelling in something that I want to do in the future and like, you know, to be where I want to be, you know? So a lot of children these days, I feel like they're just going through the motion of just studying they, because their parents tell them to do so because I'm paying for your tuition, you know, and this is what is worth for three months. You know, you better put your heart into it. But they don't see the reason to it, you know, they don't see the purpose in it. And I think that's a bit, it's a bit sad in that, in that sense, you know, so they got to know how they want to contribute back. Yeah. How did you find your purpose? Actually, it was along the way. So my purpose was like, initially, I was just thinking like, okay, we want to do art and design, that's what they always say, you know, design beautiful clothes for people, you know, and and I started, at that same time, I started getting into a bit of involvement into school, Sunday school and everything. And that's when I felt like, I think my purpose is going to change, you know, because I like sharing what I have. And sometimes the art that I was doing didn't really help me with that kind of purpose that I was heading to. So I'm still searching for it still, yeah? And I don't know, maybe who knows, maybe I'll be teaching kids like in a, like a real daytime job, like, you know, permanently next time in the future, you know, not ruling that out, but yeah. I'm trying to make my purpose like stronger, I suppose. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, you just told these kids, find your purpose as early as possible. And then you're telling them, I actually haven't found my purpose yet. I'm still finding it along the way. Well, it's a journey. It's a journey. I mean, like, so it might change. They might have their, their, their like, purpose, like, oh, okay, you know, I want to be, like, a, a scientist right now, you know. But things can change along the way, you know. And, and if you discover it, like, like, maybe you become a scientist, but at the same time you start reading things. Like, maybe you want to be a person who who wants to discover a cure to, like, cancer or to my my vein you know like maybe you can help me with that <laughs> like who knows you know so that's not really being a scientist but just trying to find like how you want to help the world and become a better place you know so i believe that my art didn't really help in any sense in that way like i couldn't help much couldn't contribute back so that's why it kind of revolved yeah it. <laughs> and it's okay <laughs> absolutely um speaking of your parents being teachers uh what was your mm -hmm. relationship like sorry what am i what um you mentioned that your parents were teachers so yep. um, what was your relationship with your parents growing up it was actually a very good one i thank god for that really you know they are very dedicated very hands-on parents 
like everything that people would assume that a mother would do, my dad was doing it instead. So I remember my title. <laughs> like for example, like mopping and sweeping the floor, cleaning the rooms and every such such. It would be my dad that's doing it. So it's it's quite interesting actually. So I remember reading, my dad was reading stories to me as I was growing up and I always wanted more, you know, like I remember every night between the ages of maybe five to nine years old, I'll get him to like come into my room and say, dad, you know, I need you to read something to me. And 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 he would tell stories about his life actually. And at the end of the, the whole storytelling, he'll be like, can you guess who it is? And I'm like, who is it? Actually, he's talking about his family history. You'll be like, oh no, your grandparents came from China. I know there was a pair of parents who fell in love. You know, somebody had to leave. But I never knew who it was. But but the fact that now when I think about it and I can recall that story, right? It's like, wow, my dad just gave a history lesson about the family life and just like that. So that's one thing. The second part is like how my mom is not really a, a woman with many words, surprisingly, right? They say like mothers tend to like nag, overcare. My mom's not that. She gives me a lot of independence. And the only thing she'll always tell me is like, you can do whatever you want, but the responsibility is going to go back on you. You know, so you got to think, you know, and, and she made me do that when I was about like, what, seven years old, I think. It's quite hard to take because you're making decisions before you're like, seven years old, wait a minute, if I do this, will that happen? You know, so I started overthinking. I became an overthinker, you know, and, and it's always the, suffer now enjoy it later you know so that was the very like olden days of like thought process i would say but it helped me quite it helped me till even till now even actually so i'm doing that with the kids or even doing that to my nephew and nieces even you know because they seem to be very privileged they don't even have to ask and you're already given right <laughs> and i'm like those days when i was your age you're like, <laughs> Love that. Love that. Yeah. So who, who, who do you like better, your mom? Or who do you get along with better, your mom or your dad? Oh, come on. You want to do that now, Bob? <laughs> well, it, <laughs> it's a different process altogether. Like, when I was younger, I was very close to my father. Very, very close. Until to a point where I was in college, then I don't know what really happened. We sort of drifted a little bit. And that's when I started confiding in my mom instead. So right now, they're at equal level <laughs> good answer good answer good answer let's move on to the to the last topic of the day which is uh which is love what is love grace what is love love is mm, it's a commitment and it's a choice definitely a very hot one yeah like, who was your first love wow <laughs> does it have to be a person though However you want to take the question. Hmm, what is my first love? Wow, this is kind of deep. <laughs> it always brings me back to childhood, you know, Bob. I would say like the first love would be going, I know, I'm not too sure if you're familiar with an old mall in Malaysia and KL itself, uh, Yaohan. So there's this one mall, I think they just recently changed it to Sunway Putra Mall, I think. So those days, there was this mall and there was a McDonald's inside. And so usually after church, the family will actually go all the way there to have lunch at McDee's. And there was actually a train in the, in the McDonald's itself. And I remember enjoying sitting on those rides. And my parents were always, 
always given to me to sit on that. So it's always McDonald's, cheeseburger, taking out the pickles, happy meal, and then sitting on the ride, you know? So that was really like something that I always look forward to, I would say. And, and, and it's done so often to the point that it's now is really like in my head, in my memory. It's in my core memory right now. And it's a very happy moment. Yeah. So that's like that. first look, I guess. I well, let's get back into the relationship. You're not in the relationship. How did you? How did you meet this guy? Let's let's get let's get right into it. Oh my God, he was in college as usual. You know the college love. <laughs> he wasn't your first boyfriend, though, right? He was actually. He your was. Okay. Yep. And I was like his third or his fourth, I guess. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you guys met in class or or what? Uh, yes, we met in class. So we had a combination class. Uh, so I was in fashion and he was in multimedia. So we had a combined class because of one of the subjects. And I remember he was looking at one of my project papers or something. And I think I indicated something about having 50 to 100 sketches within like two weeks. So I overheard him say something like, oh, yeah, right. Like, I don't think she's going to do it. And I overheard it. I was like, you think? <laughs> so we started challenging each other, you know, and that's that was the first time we ever met, actually. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then um what what are the top three lessons you learned in this relationship besides, you know, don't lend money? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Top three lessons. There's so many lessons. Wait, let me think. For the young girls out there who might get into another relationship like this you know, to what are the red flags, you know, what are the three lessons that you've learned, stories that you want to share? Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Be realistic, I would say. You know, what I mean by being realistic means like you go in and be real that it's either going to be a short experience or it's going to be a short relationship, it's going to be a long one. Now, either way, you have to be real at that time where if it's going to be a long relationship, how are things going to pan out? And if whether you're going to enjoy this person for a very long time or or do you think that things are not going to work out, you have to communicate it well and just end it, you know? Because I think one of my mistakes was that I realized that things were not working out around our fifth or sixth year, but I was not being realistic, you see. So I was saying things like, oh, it will work out. It will work out, you know. And and ultimately, I just kind of fooled myself, you know, and to think that it can go for a long run, you know. And and I was just thinking that maybe I, I would be able to change or he will be able to change and we'll better fit each other in the seventh year or the eighth year, you know. But, but as time went along, things started getting more real, you know, and I had to really open up my eyes, like, like, girl, You've been with this guy for like eight years. And it, can you really see him being with you, starting a family for the next like 30 to 40 years? And that's like half of your lifetime, you know? And I started asking that questions over and over again. Like everything that we did whenever we fought or whenever we did not speak or whenever there was some sort of friction that was happening, I would go back to that question. 30 to 40 years. Can you live with a guy that you don't talk to every day? Can you can you live with a guy who doesn't have the same values as you? I had to be real, you know. And I told myself, you know, I I hate to say it, but I had to break it up with you. Because we're not we're not going to the same journey right now. You know, we're going on different paths, you know. So being realistic was really something I needed to do. And 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 
do what's necessary you have the responsibility to just end it you know because yeah that's one okay then the second part is um definitely loving yourself i know it's a very cliche thing to say but you know and then and how like shows tell us, how you tell us, tell us a story about how you didn't love yourself yeah it kind of like i didn't know who i really was when i was with him like maybe yeah i i, I felt like okay yeah you know no, grace likes this grace likes that but those are not values you know and i didn't have like a principle or something so probably he might have uh not encouraged me but maybe he he told me to do things that i didn't want to do like for example like uh like going on a holiday with him it was something against something that i didn't want to do but i was thinking yeah why not i just give it a shot you know and i i knew my parents were not happy about it but i did it anyway you know and and I could I could see that when I came back, my parents were like worried, sick, you know, like whether there was anything that happened to you, could I trust this guy, you know? So I let myself go at a time, even though I had that principle, I should have stuck to it, or I should have just said, you know, these things can wait, you know, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be rushed. So, and then throughout the whole nine eight years, there were a lot of friends that I kind of abandoned as well. I knew that maybe they were reaching out to me, but. I did not really connect with them. It was like a very surface level. Like, how are you doing? Oh, yeah, I'm good. But actually, truth to be told, I was actually suffering. You know? I was in pain and I could not tell them because I didn't want to be judged. You know, So that to me was a very unhealthy relationship. So that 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 was like, yeah. That was right. the un unloving myself, I suppose. So right now I'm doing the things that I want to do and and connecting back to my friends, you know, and, and they will laugh at me right now. They were like, yeah, you were so within, you forgot about us. And I'm like, no, it's not true. But actually it is. It could have been true, you know. Right. <laughs> I like that. So the unloving yourself and then realistic. Yeah. The third and the third part, would you like me to share with the third part? I, uh, I don't think I have any for now, I think. Yeah. Okay. I actually want to touch base on something you just said. Maybe we can dive in a little bit deeper on this emotion. Um, you mentioned uh, you didn't want to uh, share with your friends how you were mm -hmm. suffering because you were afraid of being judged. Um, I think that's something a lot of kids experience, right? They don't, they don't want to, I mean, they don't want to ask questions because they're afraid the teacher's going to think they're dumb and they're asking a dumb question. That's probably the easiest example. Um, so they're just going to suffer by not, you know, they don't understand what's going on in the yeah. whole class. So can you you know, dive more into this feeling of suffering and silence and being like, you know, afraid of being judged. Yeah. Okay. With that, um, I would say I was very self again, self healing. Uh, so let's see, how do I actually opened up to my friend at the end of the day? I think you have to pick your audience. Like you can share your story with anybody, but you just got to know who exactly you want to share it to. So, in other words, you have to be very careful who, what kind of friends you pick. Because if you start picking the wrong group of friends, then yes, they will be judging you. They will be criticizing you and like mocking you for whatever choices that you make because they are coming from a different place. But if you know how to select and choose your friends right and maturely, right, you will somehow find them being with you, actually, no matter what it is. And the funny thing was, I only discovered that during my working life, though, when I started revealing a little bit more about myself, you know, and, and people who can accept me would not make comments like, why are you always like that? Or, why are you so weird? 
you know, you can see those different kind of signs, you know, when you realize that a lot of people making those kind of comments are not the ones for you. And it's okay. You don't need to be their friends. So that to me, I felt like, yeah, I started choosing my friends. And that's when my community of group became like from uh, like five hands became like a dot, I think. <laughs> because they're like, oh, a handful of friends. I'm like, a uh, handful. <laughs> So I'm very careful who I choose to tell my things to and and it depends on how they react as well. So I discern myself and 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 most often than not, that's why I think religion comes in for me. And that's how I felt like becoming closer to the higher being because of not trusting the people around me. Yeah. Even though I don't get the replies as instant as a human, but but at least I feel like someone's hearing me, you know, like, okay, God, this is what happened. Okay, that's it. You know, and if I really need to speak to someone to get advice, then I'll probably speak that one or two or three, you know? Yeah. <laughs> got it. Got it. Yeah. Got it. I love that. All right. Uh, just to kind of wrap it up, final question. Um, how do you show love to others? <laughs> how do I show love to others? Wait, who is exactly the others first? Whoever's coming to your mind right now, it's, it's mm. a very question on how you want to take it. It's very, it's a very deep, white question. <laughs> <laughs> it is, <laughs> it is in some ways because you know why? Because different people that I meet are like so different from each other. Okay, I have my family, of course, and I've got friends, and then I have like people whom I don't really like or something. So maybe I'll start with that first. <laughs> how um, do I? Yeah, that, you know, how do I show love to the people whom I don't really like? Wow. Oh my God, this is so deep. I guess I just have to bring myself out of that context, I think. That means, in other words, like, I don't think about myself. I think about what's the interest for them. So, because if I concentrate on myself and on my being, I would think like, I dislike her, I don't, I hate her, I don't want to be around her. So that's my feelings. Now, but if I think of what's best interest of her is that she might not know love and that's why she's showing no love to me. So the only thing to do right now is to actually do the quite the opposite actually. That means I have to be the person to give her love and give her attention or give him or her attention in order for them to recognize that that's how people should be treated so that they will actually eventually, hopefully change. But then if they don't change, it's also fine. You just have to distance yourself, I suppose, yeah? So that's also giving love to yourself by distancing them with you, you know? So that's one. And for the obvious reasons, the others would be, you know, like time, uh, conversations, meaningful conversations, or even um, what else? Yeah, gifts is definitely one of it. But if you can't give gifts, I think a message would, would be great or a call. Yeah. yeah or a message. Yeah. On email. <laughs> a meetup, of course. Yeah. So, yeah. I love that. All right. All right. Well, uh, thanks for joining us today. Any, uh, any last words for the kids? Wow. Well, kids, I'll say be yourself, whatever it is. It's a tough time growing up as a child into an adult these days but uh always be childlike 
but don't be childish. So always find that inner child. What is an inner child? Being happy, finding that happiness. What's happiness for you? Uh, what's fulfilling for you? Um, knowing, knowing where you want to head to. How you're gonna create value for the people around you? Yeah, and yes, keep on discovering. Keep on finding out. Being curious, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, where can uh, where can people find you in case they wanna uh, read? <laughs> people find me. Mm, well, let's see. You can email me actually. I'm okay with email, but social media I'm not that active because I'm just using that for like, like I don't know to distract myself. I think so. Emailing is good. Got it. <laughs> uh, what is your email? Okay, it's G G for Greece, C for China, S for Singapore, and Y for Yo Yo, and then. It's, uh, 14, as in one, the digit one and a four, at gmail.com. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> got it, got it, got it. All right, guys, uh, thank you for joining us today. Before I forget, um, if you are going through something and you don't feel like you have anyone to talk to, feel free to text home to 741741. Um, that is a national hotline. Um, or, I mean, in based in the U.S., if you're based in the U.S., you can text that. But it's a suicide hotline. You need someone to talk to. That is definitely the number. Um, and if you want to join the community hotline, feel free to send me a message. Other than that, we'll see you guys next time. Thank you, Grace. Thank you, Bob. I'll see you too.